presenting this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. We're talking to experts in the field about sports and exercise-related injuries and the latest advances in diagnosis, treatment, and prevention to help your patients stay active. It is now recognized in pediatric sports medicine that ACL injuries are increasingly common in kids. But their still-growing bodies present added risks when considering treatment options, not the least of which is the recovery process following surgery to repair an ACL injury. How can we best assess these risks? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and our guest today is Dr. Min Coker, Associate Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at Harvard Medical School and Associate Director of the Division of Sports Medicine at the Children's Hospital in Boston. Welcome, Dr. Coker. Thank you, Dr. Hill. Today we are discussing the relative risks of repairing ACL injuries in children. Dr. Coker, once a child has suffered an ACL injury and that diagnosis is certain, what should be the next step? Well, I think there are two options. One option is non-operative treatment. So you would rehab this child at KEM, brace their knee, and then let them return to activity but keeping them out of high-risk sports. The second option would be surgery to reconstruct or repair the ACL. And, and how do you determine which option to choose? Well, I think both options have pros and cons. The advantage of non-operative treatment is you're not operating on a younger patient with open growth plates. Our standard ACL reconstructions that we do in skeletally mature young adults and in adults, we drill tunnels, place new tissue, that becomes the ACL. The issue in kids who are still growing is that those tunnels would go through the growth plate, so there's a risk of getting a growth disturbance. So if you drill a tunnel through a growth plate, what could happen or what does happen? If you drill a tunnel through a growth plate, you can pass the new ACL graft, so the tissue that's replacing the ACL, fix it away from the growth plate, and everything could be fine. And that's typically what we do in the older adolescent with open growth plates. But in the younger kids, we worry about doing this because they have so much growth remaining. And the risk is you could get a growth disturbance. So you could get an area of the growth plate that doesn't grow. It becomes a bony block across the cartilaginous growth plate. That could result in a leg length discrepancy where one leg is shorter than the other, or it could result in an angular deformity where the leg grows off at an angle into valgus or varus. Well, when you're making this decision on, on which approach to do, how do you determine when the growth plate is accessible for minimal risk or you should leave it be? I think that's the key. I think we've always focused, particularly in adult sports medicine, on the patient's chronological age. But I think the key is really looking at what the patient's skeletal age is and what their stage of pubertal development is. So, I mean, you probably know some 14-year-old boys who are shaving and you know some 14-year-old boys who haven't hit puberty at all yet. So just because you're 14 doesn't mean your bones are 14. What exactly is skeletal age? So skeletal age we get from a radiograph, an x-ray of the hand and wrist. And we have atlases to look and see what the age of the bone is. And that way we can tell how many years or months of growth remain before the growth plates close. By looking at the hand and the wrist, this correlates with the knee? 
Exactly. It's counterintuitive, but there are lots of growth plates. If you think about your hand and wrist, each of your phalangeal bones has a growth plate. Your metacarpals have a growth plate. Their growth plates in the distal radius and ulna. And these all close at different times or they look different at different times. And so there are atlases where we can compare that radiograph to the atlas to get a sense of when the growth plates will close. If they are not done growing, is it contraindicated to do the drilling into the growth plate? I don't think so. I think the key is determining how much growth that patient has remaining. And we divide the patients really with open growth plates into two groups. Those that are pubertal, so they've hit puberty, and we use a tanner staging system, versus those that are prepubertal, they have not hit puberty yet. These are the younger patients, like under 11 or 10, 11, 12 and younger, and they have a lot of growth remaining. In the patients who have hit puberty already, they typically have one, two years of growth remaining. We do drill across the growth plates and place a graft. In the patients who have not hit puberty, we have surgeries where we don't drill across the growth plates. We do a reconstruction without drilling through the growth plate. If you do drill through the growth plate, what is the chance that you will have an abnormality in growth? It seems unlikely. We just published a series where we looked at about 100 of our ACL reconstructions in that adolescent age group with open growth plates, and we had no cases of growth disturbance. The cases of growth disturbance that have been reported have been sort of case reports and anecdotal, so we don't know the exact incidence of getting a growth disturbance, but it's definitely a risk. What do you say to the child and the parents who say, we don't want surgery, but clearly will not alter their activity level? I think that's the key question, and that's really where it's important to have a process of shared decision-making with the patient who's the kid and the parents, so to include everybody in this discussion. Non-operative treatment, the advantage is, you know, you can wait until the patient's older, the growth plates, say, are closed, and you can do an adult type of reconstruction, but there are real risks associated with this. The prognosis is very poor. The kid's knees are very unstable. They're at real risk to tear their meniscus and their articular cartilage, which can set them up for arthritis later in life. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and with me today is Dr. Min Coker, Associate Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at Harvard Medical School and Associate Director of the Division of Sports Medicine at the Children's Hospital in Boston. We are discussing the relative risks of repairing ACL injuries in children. Dr. Coker, If a child and parents decide to wait for surgery until the child is fully grown and the child limits their activity, have we lost anything? I think there's still a real high risk that they're going to injure their meniscus and cartilage. And again, that's a real problem because, you know, we can reconstruct an ACL even in younger patients, but if they've chewed up their meniscus and their articular cartilage, When they're a 10-year-old and in 10 years they have arthritis, there's no solution for a 20-year-old with bad arthritis of the knee. A total knee replacement is not a good option. And so even in the kids that choose non-operative treatment who are willing to modify their activity and stay out of high-risk sports, we are concerned and we often see these kids come back with further injury. And it may not be during sports. It may be 
playing with their friends at recess or free play in the backyard. Tell us about the recovery process after surgery in these young people. It depends a little bit on the procedure. I think if we're doing a through-the-growth plate reconstruction with their own tissue versus a reconstruction that doesn't go through the growth plates using their iliotibial band. In the first procedure, it's very similar to an adult-type reconstruction. We typically do it as an overnight procedure. Surgery takes about an hour and a half. They're on crutches for two weeks afterwards, a big brace for six weeks. They do physical therapy, and they're back to running at three months and return to sports at five to six months. I think for the a procedure where we don't go through the growth plates, it's still arthroscopic, but there are more open incisions, and it's a little more complex procedure. The kids typically are younger, and they have more pain after this procedure. They're usually in the hospital two or three nights. They're on crutches and a brace for six weeks after surgery. They also are doing a lot of physical therapy, and we let them back to sports a little later, more like at six to nine months after surgery. How important is the physical therapy? I think it's key, and I think it's a big point with the younger patients. Physical therapy is important to get their motion back and their strength back. If they don't get their motion back, they can have a stiff knee, and a stiff knee is a poor outcome. They'll have pain, poor function, and it's hard to get the motion back once the stiffness has really settled in. So it's important to get these knees moving right away. With the younger kids, it's hard because they haven't been to physical therapy before, so it's important to use a physical therapist who's used to working with kids. They can make it interesting, kind of like a game, fun, exciting, understand their fears and apprehensions. Whether it be six months or nine months, and the child wants to go back to playing football, playing heavy-duty basketball, are you comfortable with that? Can they go back to these high-intensity sports? They can. In our studies and in our experience, we've had the kids go back to the high-risk sports, football, basketball, soccer, skiing, and we've had very few re-injuries or re-tears of the graft. So, I mean, that's assuming that they've got their full motion and strength back and the ACL is nice and stable. So I think they can get back to these sports. With this unilateral injury, do they get contralateral injuries as well? That's a good question. I think if you've torn your ACL in one knee, they are at higher risk for tearing the ACL in the other knee than someone who has never torn their ACL. So the risk of contralateral ACL is higher than in the general population. During our rehab, right around the four- to six-month mark, we start to really add in some ACL prevention exercises and techniques that they do on both legs which we hope will reduce the risk of the contralateral ACL injury. What do you do, Dr. Coker, if one leg ends up longer than the other or there are complications such as that? How do you handle that? Well, if you've got a growth disturbance and you've got a leg length discrepancy, if the discrepancy is significant, like more than two centimeters, then we've got a couple of options. We can stop the growth plate on the other leg, so on the long leg, at the appropriate time by drilling the growth plate so that when they're done with growth, they end up with legs that are close to equal length. Alternatively, if it's a big leg length discrepancy, like over five centimeters, then we would want to lengthen the short leg. And we do this with bone lengthening types of techniques. And have you seen many of these complications? We've published a paper that had 15 cases of growth disturbance from ACL reconstruction in kids with open growth plates. There have been about 10 other case reports of growth disturbances, and clinically I've seen several other patients as well. So I think 
if you look at all the ACL reconstructions being done on kids with open growth plates, the risk is relatively small, but when it does happen, it can have major consequences. I'm sure all the listeners, including myself, are thinking, does this bring in uh, medical legal aspects? I think it can. I think we don't have truly a standard of care yet because this is a newer injury that we're recognizing in these younger patients. I think that the advantage of the reconstruction that we do where we don't go through the growth plate is the theoretical risk of growth disturbance is much less. But the disadvantage is the ACL is not going exactly where the native ACL goes, and so it may not hold up as well over the long term. Whereas when you drill tunnels across the bone, you're putting the ACL in the anatomic position. So that's the surgery that's probably going to hold up the best in the long term. But the trade-off is a risk of going through the growth plates. I think as long as these issues are being discussed, the risk of a growth disturbance, no matter what procedure is being done, the risk even of non-operative treatment of tearing the meniscus and articular cartilage, and then I think everything's been out on the table and you've got informed decision-making. Do ACL injuries in children uh, differ depending on what sport they do or what the activity is? Um, I think the mechanism differs. I think in uh, football we see a lot more contact injuries. Uh, in soccer, uh, it's probably it's more non-contact injuries. Basketball is a mix of contact and non-contact injuries. I think the contact injuries tend to have higher forces, and we see uh, a larger percentage of ACL tears having associated meniscal injury or articular cartilage injury. Which is the most common? Which? Articular cartilage or meniscus? Articular cartilage. Uh, meniscus injuries are actually more commonly associated with an ACL tear than articular cartilage injury. We've looked up in our patients under 18 who've torn their ACL, about 50% will actually have a meniscus tear as well, and that's more common than the adult population. Cartilage injuries, so injuries to the smooth articular cartilage, we saw in about 10% of patients who tore their ACL. And of all the ACL injuries in children, Which sport do you find the most common? For our patient population, it's probably soccer, and that's because there's such a huge participation in soccer among both boys and girls uh, at younger and younger ages. And remember, the risk of ACL tear uh, is relatively higher for females in soccer than it is in males. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Min Coker, and we have been discussing the relative risks of repairing ACL injuries in children. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, now featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at ReachMD.com. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.